Well, here we are for the July weekend, and we've already had a couple of uh, kind of patriotic songs that we really enjoy. Uh, every 4th of July, Americans celebrate the birth of our nation and our declaration of independence from Great Britain way back in 1776. And we also celebrate the freedom and liberty that we have through our Constitution and Bill of Rights. You know, it was the American revolutionary Patrick Henry who said, give me liberty or give me death. So liberty and freedom is something to live and to die for. You know, come uh, Memorial Day, we celebrate those who gave up their lives so that we can live free, so that we can come and worship God freely without any fears. It's a great blessing that we've been given. But you know, we as Christians are blessed to celebrate another type of freedom. I don't know if you think about this. It's good to have our country's freedom and the freedom that we have living as Americans, but we also have, I feel, an even more important freedom living as Christians. Uh, turn with me to 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17. I'm going to be reading today from the New Living Translation. I'm normally reading from the New International Version, but this is the New English, New Living Translation, rather. And it says this in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Some translations translate it liberty. So we as Christians, those of us who have God's Holy Spirit dwelling in us, have been given freedom. We're going to talk about that today. What, what kind of freedom do we have having the Holy Spirit dwell in us, freedom in Christ. Now the Greek word translated freedom means personal freedom from servitude, confinement, or oppression. That's what uh, freedom means, at least in the scripture and from the Greek. Personal freedom from servitude, confinement, or oppression. So Jesus came to set us free spiritually. So when Jesus, or when a person accepts Jesus as their personal savior, the spirit of the Lord takes up residence in that individual. And if we have the Holy Spirit and Jesus as our savior, we are free. But free from what? What exactly do they mean when they, they say in scripture, as uh, Paul wrote here, we have freedom, we have liberty. Well, I want to talk about that now. Four specific areas where we as Christians have freedom. A freedom that far transcends the physical freedoms we have as citizens of this country. We're thankful for those, but let's never lose sight of the freedom, the real freedom that Jesus has given us. Notice John chapter 8 and verse 34. John chapter 8 and verse 34. Again, reading from the New Living Translation. John 8 verse 34, Jesus replied, I assure you that everyone who sins is a slave to sin, 
A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So again, when did we receive our freedom? Our country received its freedom, 1776, with the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and we're thankful for those. But when we receive Jesus as our personal Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us. The Son, at that point, Jesus, sets us free. And if he sets us free, we are free indeed. What are we free from? Point number one. The Bible tells us that we are free from law. We are free from law. Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Now, this doesn't mean that we become lawless people. It means that we are free from trying to earn our salvation by keeping law. We know that the scripture tells us we're saved by grace, not by works. Even works of the law can't save us. But notice what Paul says in Galatians 5, beginning in verse 1. So Christ has really set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Now don't forget, back in Old Testament times, most of Israel felt that in order to achieve a relationship with God, and a reward from God, it was the keeping of the law that was, that was necessary. But Jesus has called us out of that. Our salvation is by grace. That's the way God planned it to be. The reason he gave Old Testament Israel the law was to show them and to show us how impossible it is to keep the law. And it is. We have all sinned and we continue to sin. And if our salvation was based on our law keeping, we're all doomed, okay? So that's what he says here. Now that you've tasted grace, don't go back to thinking that your salvation comes by your law keeping. During Paul's day, there were certain groups of Jews, he called them Judaizers, who were trying to teach Christians, no, you know, you need to be circumcised, you need to do this, you need to do that, bringing up all of these aspects of the Old Testament law, saying, well, you still need to do these things in order to be saved. And Paul continually wrote and preached against that. Once you've tasted grace, don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Verse 2, listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision as one aspect of the law to make you right with God, then Christ cannot help you. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey all the regulations in the whole law of Moses and keep them perfectly. If you intend to be saved through your keeping of the law. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. Now you have that choice. And, and people, all people have that choice. If you intend to be saved by being the best person you can be, 
Or if you intend, if you're trying to be saved by your keeping of the law, you have the choice to make. But I can guarantee you right now, you're already doomed because you're a sinner. You have not kept the law perfectly. But given the choice, isn't it better to be saved by grace through Christ's sacrifice on the cross? He lived the perfect life and his perfect obedience to God is credited to you when you choose him to be your savior. I don't know about you, but that's the way I intend to go and have gone now for many years. We're not saved by our law keeping, we're saved by grace. So if we're trying to get right with God by obeying the law, we're no longer trusting in the grace of Christ. Instead of being slaves to sin, we need to be slaves to Jesus Christ. He continues here in verse 13. For you, dear friends, have been called to live in freedom. Not freedom to satisfy your sinful nature, but freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, where have you heard this before? Love your neighbor as yourself. But if instead of showing love among yourselves, you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. So we're free from the law. We don't have to try to earn our salvation by our law keeping. Now this doesn't mean that we become lawless people. It means that we use the freedom we've been given now in serving one another, in loving one another, in loving our neighbor as ourselves as we love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind and strength. So we have been set free from the law. Secondly, the second thing that we've been set free from through Jesus Christ, we're free from sin. We're free from sin, and I wanna to turn to Romans chapter eight, beginning in verse one. Now we still sin, we still screw up occasionally, we all do, including me. But through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the penalty of sin has been paid on our behalf. Paul says in Romans 8, beginning in verse 1, a beautiful verse, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. What a beautiful statement. What an outstanding statement. <laughs> we as Christians, once we come under the blood of Jesus Christ, once we accept him as our savior, we live in a state of forgiveness. We live in a state of forgiveness. Now, by contrast, I was raised in the Catholic Church and the Catholic Church doctrine, and again, I'm not putting down the Catholic Church, I'm showing the difference in what I learned in the Catholic Church, you had to continually go back to the priest for confession. If you confess your sins and then, you know, as the days and the weeks go by, you sin again and again and again and again. If you should die with those sins on you, you could be facing a serious time in hell or purgatory or a place like that. We don't teach that. But then you had to go back to the priest again and confess your sins once again. God does not call us to do that. See, that approach limits Jesus' sacrifice for us. Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross for us once and for all. 
So that that forgiveness that we come under when we accept him as our savior is all inclusive. Our sins are forgiven past, present, and future. Now that doesn't mean that we should never repent to God. You know, we should always be in a attitude of repentance. Usually when we mess up, we know it. Come on, we've been Christians long enough. So if something comes out of our mouth that we shouldn't say, or you know, whatever the act may be that we shouldn't be doing, we know it. So when that hits us, we should say, Lord, I'm sorry that I did that. You know, I know that I'm forgiven by, the, by your blood on the cross, but I just want you to know that I'm sorry. I'm trying to do better. Help me. Please help me to do that. So we are free from sin and the penalty of sin. After he says there's no longer any condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus, he says in verse 2, for the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you through Christ Jesus from the power of sin that leads to death. So the wages of sin is death. There's a death penalty in store for everybody who has sinned, who has not had their sins forgiven by Jesus Christ. And God has freed us from that. Once we claim Jesus as our savior and know that his sacrifice pays the penalty for our sins, we are free from sin. That doesn't mean we, didn't, we never sin. We still stumble occasionally from time to time, hopefully fewer and fewer times the longer we're a Christian. But that's another thing that we've been freed from. We've been freed from the law. We've been freed from sin. Thirdly, we have been freed from death. Freed from death. I want to turn to John, 1 John 5, beginning in verse 11. 1 John 5, beginning in verse 11. Again, another very positive and encouraging verse here. And this is what God has testified. He, God, has given us eternal life. He doesn't say he will give us eternal life or he might, may give us eternal life. If we live up to certain standards, there's a possibility we could achieve it. No. Once you claim Jesus as your Savior and have your sins forgiven, he has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. So whoever has God's Son has life. Whoever does not have his Son does not have life. And he's talking about eternal life there. So we don't have to worry. Am I going to be good enough to make it? Through Jesus Christ, you have made it. Your sins are forgiven. You're living under grace. Jesus' righteousness has been credited to you. You're free from death. So free from the law, free from sin, free from death. Finally, free from fear. Free from fear. Right here in 1 John 5 and verse 16. 1 John 5. See if I have the right uh, scripture here. Don't think that I do. You'll be familiar with the scripture. Perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love, and he's talking about God's love, casts out 
fear. That's what the scripture says. So God does not want us to be fearful. He wants us to have peace in our life and joy in our life, knowing what we know now as to what we've been freed from. There are a lot of people in this world who may not admit it, but they live in fear. Uh, you know, fear about their lives, fear about what might lie ahead from them, fear about a coming judgment, they're afraid. You know, there's a scripture, I think it's in Revelation, that says when Jesus Christ returns, there are going to be people who are going to run and hide from him. Who are going to say, let the rocks fall on us, you know, to, to hide us from the Son of God as he returns. Because they're fearful. They live in fear. You know, one way that they got, got rid of their fear is just by claiming that they don't believe in God. Well, that doesn't make God go away. It might give that person a certain amount of peace or satisfaction by thinking, well, I don't even believe in God, so I don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. But, you know, the scripture says, the fool says that there is no God. So you're claiming to be an atheist or you're claiming that God doesn't exist doesn't make God not exist. He exists, believe me. And Jesus Christ, his son, is returning. And in the meantime, God does not want us to live in fear. He wants us to be knowledge of, knowledgeable of all this truth, the things that we have been set free from. And by worrying about death, worrying about if we're going to be good enough to make it in the end, worried about if we're going to be good enough to pass through judgment, God has set us free from those things and freedom from the fear that we might have. So we don't have to worry. We don't have to be fearful. We don't have to, uh, you know, be loathing a coming return of Jesus Christ. We know that we will be accounted worthy, not because of anything that we have done to deserve it, but because of our Savior Jesus Christ and what he did on our behalf. So, we're appreciative of the freedoms we have as Americans in the world today. We all feel that our country is unique in so many ways. And it's a blessing to live in this country, it really is. In spite of all the violence and all of the, you know, the things that are going on in this society, we still all feel blessed to be here. I don't know about you, I wouldn't want to trade it for any, any other country. I like it here. But we also should remember that there are tremendous freedoms, even greater freedoms, that we have been bestowed by God. Freedom from law, freedom from sin, freedom from death, and freedom from fear. So it's not just on the 4th of July that we celebrate these freedoms, but year-round, every day of our lives. We should give God thanks for what he has done for us, how he has blessed us through his wonderful son, Jesus Christ.